Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is John Silver, lead recruiter of The Dark Order, and you are listening to All Things Elite. Welcome to the 99th episode of Social Suplexes podcast about AEW with a proclivity for po- for positivity. Welcome to all things elite. One episode away from our 100th episode. So exciting. My name is Austin Sumowitz and I am the host of this lovely show. Joining with me as always is my good buddy and partner Floyd Johnson Jr. Floyd, how you doing? I am doing well. Um, yesterday in a shocking last moment last minute decision based on the based based on the uh we got a third guest this week austin's uh cousin sorry just give me a quick second i'm gonna do something real quick you go ahead and let the folks know what you've been up to floyd no problem uh yeah um yesterday in the last minute spur of the moment biggest like wild decision I made, I decided to buy a ticket to WrestleMania. Uh, I had previously announced and talked to people that I wasn't going to WrestleMania this year, and the reason for that was uh, I figured with prices, my 40th birthday, and you know, going to AEW events being like things that matter to me, uh, I wasn't going to be able to do it all. Well, then uh, the curiosity in me, the curious cat that I am, I looked up ticket prices and it was the price of $400, not for $400 per day. It was $400 for a two day pass to WrestleMania 
in the 100 section. Now, I don't know if you've been to WrestleManias in previous years. That ticket could cost you, uh, in the 100 section, could cost you anywhere from $800 to $1,500, just depending on this location. So I was like, it's only $400 for uh, uh, two tickets, you know, two WrestleManias. I, I looked at the wife, and I told her, well, shit, for this price, I can make it work. And she was like, well, make it work. Buy the ticket. And that's all I needed to hear. So I went ahead and bought the ticket to WrestleMania, got my plane ticket. I'm actually getting to stay at my friend's house, get to stay in the uh, dojo at WrestleMania. I'm really excited because uh, we're able to kick Coslo. I know WrestleMania is not a AEW or a All Things Elite, but it's like the young Floyd in me. Uh, I will always say this. Uh, WrestleMania was a pipe dream. It was something that I saw on TV. It was it, the idea, like when wrestling came to local shows, my parents didn't take me. So, I mean, we're, yeah, so a wrestling show down at the Myriad. So the idea of traveling hundreds or thousands of miles to go across the country to pay a ticket and see a show uh, was not even a dream. It was something I was never going to be able to do. It was a pipe dream. I knew not to even dream of it. And in this year, uh, April 10th and 11th, I will be attending my ninth one live. I can honestly say something the seven, eight-year-old Floyd would have never imagined doing. Just, I didn't even dream of it because I knew I was never going to happen. So, this is a good time to be me, and I'm very excited to, for, for that, and I'm very excited to see my Tampa people when I'm there. Yeah, man, congratulations. I, I can say as somebody who has been fortunate enough to attend WrestleMania in the past, um, only once, but I'm hoping for multiple times to go back. Um, it's truly an experience, and like you said, you're on your ninth WrestleMania, which is absolutely insane, um, but... Yeah, man, I'm I'm crazy happy for you. I'm hoping you're gonna have a blast. Hopefully, everything will go really well. It'll be a mania to remember. Um, but this is an all elite wrestling podcast, and um, I just sent my little cousin to bed, so we're all good. Uh, it is uh, time to talk about AEW for this week. Before we get into the show, though, I want to make sure real quick. You guys are downloading this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. Please leave a rating and review if you're so inclined to. You can also leave a donation through our podcast provider, Red Circle. If you listen to us on Spotify as well or anywhere else you listen to podcasts, a share goes a long way. Share us with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish. We would really appreciate it. Or you can just support us by following us on social media. We are at AT Elite Pod on Twitter. At Social Suplex is the podcast network that makes this show and all of the other shows on on Social Suplex possible. I am at SZumer4, and Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. All of those ats are on Twitter. Now, the big news of the week is the fact that we might have seen quite possibly one of the best Dynamite matches in AEW's short history, which is very much the main event of this week's Dynamite. We're going to get into the nitty-gritty of the entire show and that match in our AW Dynamite review. Um, I also want to add in, too, this week we saw the debut of AEW Dark Elevation, which is the first thing I kind of want to get out of the way because I guess it's going to be the most critical I'll be for most of this show 
just because of the fact that we were talking leading up to AEW Dark Elevation's uh, debut about how this show uh, is got an interesting spot to be in because AEW Darks are the lengths of Dynamites and sometimes longer. They are very long shows and they feature a lot of matches where you know the outcome before once you see the card. And we, especially myself, uh, Floyd as well, but more so me, I, I screamed, please, you have to find a way to differenti- differentiate the show from AEW Dark and Dynamite presentation-wise, the way you put on your matches, the matches that you put on in general. Um, I thought if you decided to take the people who lost on Dark and put them on Elevation as a way to fight against each other and really start building their way up to Dark... And like, kind of treat it as like a like a uh, like a league system, like kind of like uh, Premier League soccer, where like there's different divisions. I thought that would be interesting. What we ended up getting was just more AEW Dark, but with Paul White on commentary, who I did enjoy. I thought Paul was good, but other than the main event of Maki Ito and Riho, which I really enjoyed, like I said, it was more dark. Um, and I still enjoyed watching the matches and such, but like. As weeks go by, I really need to see something differentiating on this show because AW uh, with Dark Elevation, Normal Dark, and Dynamite, they're starting to get to a point where it's like your viewership for all three of these shows aren't going to be the same, and it's kind of being a little bit of burnout necessarily where it's like you can't expect everybody to watch all of these matches because, like I said, this show is two hours Dark itself still had like 30 matches. It was a lot. So I'm 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 not outright saying that the show is bad. I want to see what happens and how the show continues to change and what they decide to put on the show. We don't even know what's going to be on the card for Dark as Dark Elevation as we're recording this on Saturday night. But gotta say, first episode off. Uh, I need a little bit more. Uh, Floyd, if you want to jump off of that a little bit, we'll also talk a little bit about the main events just in in brief before we get into the main show since that was a big thing in news AEW-wise. No, uh, as far as the show, it was fine. I didn't think it was anything more special than Dark. I liked that there were storylines on the show. Uh, They had the whole Kenny Omega, uh, Matt Seidel storyline where Kenny Omega interrupts the Seidel brothers after they've won a tag match. Uh, told uh, Kenny, uh, told Matt Seidel, he doesn't care. Uh, uh, he's like, I don't care about AEW's rankings. My rankings, Nakazawa was in all five spots. So if you beat Nakazawa, then you'll be able to beat Fight Me. Then if you beat me, then you get a title shot. So this is how they're for, you know, going past the rankings. So Matt Seidel goes in a match with Nakazawa, of course, beats him because Nakazawa doesn't win. He hardly ever even wrestles anymore. No oil gimmick or anything like that. And he just lost. So then Kenny Omega runs out, attacks uh, Matt Seidel, and uh, then hits him with a one-wing angel and says, "Ah, this is basically your match and pins him. Tony Khan, in his first on-screen appearance as any type of authority figure, comes out and says, no, screw you. 
You promised Matt Seidel, therefore you promised the fans that you were going to give him a match. So in nine days at Dynamite, which will be this coming up Wednesday, we're going to get Matt Seidel versus Kenny Omega. And they call it a eliminator challenge. Well, all it means is if Matt Seidel beats Kenny Omega, he gets a title shot at Kenny Omega. So he basically has to beat Kenny Omega twice. So that will be uh, fun to watch. But they set that up during the show. Also... Uh, Marco Stunt was wrestling QT after QT beat him. Uh, PPA, uh, Cesar Bononi and uh, Ryan Nemeth came in and attacked Marco Stunt. That led to the creation of the Luchasaurus versus uh, Cesar Bononi match on Dark. So I that's the one thing I can say about uh, Elevation. It was, and it might have just been the first episode. It was a little more storyline heavy, and it seems like their matches led to something else, not to just get W's. Paul White was very educational. Uh, His personality is not coming out yet. I don't, if you've ever seen Paul White in interviews or anything, he's a very funny, self deprecating kind of guy. He called this he called this pretty straight. He was a pretty straight color guy talking about what the moves were setting up for, what he would have done in that situation. It's like he is like he treated it completely like a sports based presentation. And it's like if someone is a wrestling nerd and he's like, Well, I just want to see two guys fighting each other because they want to win. He called it like that. He yeah. he was very knowledgeable about their moves, their finishers. Uh, he I think he only had to get corrected by Tony like once or twice, which is great because you think about it, he didn't do any color in the WWE. No. He didn't do anything like this. This is him starting in a new position in AEW, and I thought he did really well. I would give it a solid B, B plus. I, I thought he did a really good job, but in times to me, it was boring. Because I'm used to the dark, and it's a lot of back and forth giving each other shit between Taz and Excalibur. And let's, you know, you're getting a lot of squash matches on dark. So the matches, for the most part, aren't that entertaining. Sometimes the uh, the razzing of each other during the match is all I'm paying attention to, you know, because the match is, okay, I know, all right, I know. Will Hobbs is going to beat this dude in like two seconds or whatever. So I'm just listening to them give each other shit. But overall, it was dark with Big Show, you know, and I, you know, I would, I even said to you, I mean, me and Austin don't have a lot of midweek conversations about AEW because we save it for the show. But even I said, I'm going to give them a couple weeks to find out what they want Elevation to be. Because I don't think Monday is what they wanted Elevation to be. I think yeah. I think it will evolve a little bit more over the next two, three weeks. But if we're around the week four and we're getting the same thing, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm disappointed. Not because it's just like not that they promised the greatest show ever, but I figured dark, either one, either one or the other. Either dark would be thirteen shows and elevation would be four shows that matter, or elevation would be thirteen shows and like Dark would be four shows that matter, but I mean, four matches that matter. But if you're going to give us 13 matches on elevation, 13 matches on dark, I don't care if it's YouTube and I can come back and watch it later. I'm not dedicating time to, you know, a bunch of squash matches. 
Maybe yeah. that makes me not as hardcore as somebody else, but it just seemed like I can literally look at the match list and say that that person's going to win, that person's going to win, that person's going to win, that person's going to win. Except for like the main event, you can pretty much call the card. And so I just like, you're either going to have to give me more uh, interesting and competitive matches or uh, or you're going to have to give me less of them. Which I know everybody wants to get work. I I want everybody to get better. It's just it's a lot. It's a lot. I t- I've talked about every week uh, dedicating seven hours to the WWE. And every week is a lot. I'm like the one thing I liked about AEW was like okay, there's two hours and then there's dark. And, but really, you gotta be like if you really want to know everything that's going on. You now you gotta watch two hours of uh, Dynamite. You gotta watch like. Two hours of dark. It's like an hour and a half, two hours. Then you got to watch hour and a half, two hours of elevation. That's a lot of time dedicated. And, you know, if you want some of the ancillary stuff, you need to be watching BET and Sammy's blog. So it's just like, that's a lot of stuff. And I mean, it's just like a lot of stuff. And like I said, we only do, our show is only an hour, an hour and a half every week. Shit, I feel like we could spend an hour and a half just talking about dark and elevation matches. Yeah. No, and like I said, I I do like what you said about how they did include story moments and they did include, like you said, that little interaction with Matt Seidel and Kenny Omega building towards something on Dynamite. I did enjoy that, how there was a lot more like like Dynamite-esque stuff that they put in elevation, which is good. Um, But yeah, like I said, it gets to a point where you throw so much content at us and like like i said not all of your audience is going to stick around to watch all that content it's just too it's too much especially if they also still keep up with wwe and also maybe new japan and also impact wrestling or whatever there's so much wrestling out there like you can you can try to enjoy as much as you want but like i said there were points in my life where i missed out on a lot of good wrestling just because it was just too much but Again, it's it's still early, so there's plenty of room to see where elevation goes. But like I said, there's on first impressions, like I need a little bit more, just a little bit more. But yeah, yeah, and it's a lot of me. Uh, I watch it a lot while I'm working. So actually, like last week was kind of cool because I watched it all, and I had raw DVRing, so I just started raw from the point that I forgot, uh, the point that I ended uh, elevation. And then I could fast forward through a lot of the raw crap. So that was yeah. good. <laughs> you know, I mean, that was, it helped me watch Raw better because, man, there's a lot of filler on Raw, not dissing WWE. I am a dedicated watcher, as I said, going to WrestleMania. It's just when you have a three hour show and you don't really want to do a three hour show, fans can tell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Anyways, um, real quickly, though, before we get into Dynamite, we still have our BTE recap, so we'll go to Mr. Floyd. Floyd, any highlights from this week's episode of Being the Elite? So, BTE and a little impact this week. So, uh, first of all, uh, we get into the locker room with the Young Bucks, and uh, Chris Daniels tells a joke, and they start laughing, and they start slapping their legs. Matt Hardy comes in and says... You know this room that I rent you. There's a no leg slapping rule. Uh, CD, you're the you're you're the talent talent relations guy. So he's like, that's gonna be five hundred dollars, and then they just grab five hundred dollars out of their pocket and hand it to him. 
I don't care how rich I am. I don't carry. I was. I don't carry cash. So I, I, I just thought that was kind of funny that they had five hundred dollars on. And I'll be like, I don't Venmo. <laughs> That's what I'd be like. <laughs> I don't carry cash. I'm like if I, if someone ever robbed me, they would be very very disappointed. They would get dust and cards that I would deactivate as soon as they walked away. So um, then. Um, yeah, I got my little list here. Hangman gets his lawnmower, and they showed over the years how they've been setting to this. He's like, all I want's a lawnmower. Uh, when they wanted to chill his money, and he's like, I need a new lawnmower. And he kept saying, and he finally you got saw all of the Dark Order. Everybody's happy except Alan Angels because five, because he's not allowed to get on the lawnmower. But the, they, uh, but Hangman drove off on his new lawnmower, which I think is like the coolest gimmick ever. You want to yeah. talk? I know he's not the leader of the Dark Order, but come on, you know, you just rolling Seriously, with your crew right? on a lawnmower—that's pretty dope. Uh, so uh, Hangman tries, you know, tells all the Dark Order about all the charges he ran up on his credit card. And he said, no, he's like, y'all were good to me. Y'all have my back. I'll cover the charges. And then he looks at Colton. He's like, you want me to pick it up for the kids? And he's like, yes. Again, it's like, it's funny because Colt is not the leader of the Dark Order, but he's clearly the dad of the Dark Order. He's the, he's the, he's the one that's going to tell everybody to eat their vegetables and get a good night's mm-hmm. rest. Uh, then we get private party and the butcher, the blade. They're just, you know, private party is not getting, not feeling them. They don't talk, but uh, Matt uh, got uh, the blade to eat a grape, but the butcher had to feed it to him. They're just, they're very antisocial. And in uh, fact, it's like two teams that have nothing in common. It's kind of cool. Uh, Michael Ito, you get her singing with the uh, a Dark Order dancing out of rhythm. And she tells them they all suck, fuck you, and walked away. Uh, <laughs> which... It's Maki Ito. I mean, that's her thing. It's just, yeah, it's hilarious. Uh, d- then we get T, uh, the Dark Order, getting their revenge on Proud and Powerful. The only way I could call them is, is like the Spanglish crew. I mean, that's what they are. I don't know what else to call them. But uh, Dasha got a little bit of her haircut, and then Anna J choked her out. Uh, they put something in uh, or uh, Santana's seasonings. Uh, they chased around Ortiz, and Alex Abraham was his personal Freddy Krueger. Uh, I forgot what they did to Sammy, but he was on the ground. I don't remember that one. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, that was. But Dark Order got their revenge on uh, them, and then Rising Vicky and Nyla were just robbing people again. Don't understand why this is funny. If, if somebody, I'm gonna post this. In the morning, Sunday morning, March 21st, and literally, if you will tell me why the Rising Vicky and Nyla thing is funny, I will buy you a shirt from Pro Wrestling Tees. Promise. <laughs> I don't get it. I watch it, and I am the most easy-to-make-laugh person that you will ever meet. You can tell butt fart jokes, use the worst puns ever. I, I laugh at, like, all dad jokes. I don't get why this segment's funny. Yeah, I'm kind I, of in the same. I, boat. Yeah, like I don't. I'm like, is it irony? Is it whatever? I'm not even. This is not me burying it. This is me sincerely saying, I don't get what I'm supposed to get out of this. I, I just <laughs> don't know. I don't know who is this, who is this for, and who who is it making laugh? 
So uh, I'm like, the only thing I'm laughing at about is how unfunny it is. It's that fun. It's like just not funny. Uh, Private Party presents this ain't water. Uh, I, you know, first thing I said, it looked like it looks like like a spiked Kool Aid. You know, maybe <laughs> or flavored vodka because it looked like it was purple. You know what I mean? I I'm just just guessing, and it, it ain't water. Now, it, a spiked Kool Aid would be funny because. You know, it ain't water, and, you know, you expect Kool-Aid to be mostly water. But uh, I don't know. We will see what it is, because apparently they're going to sell it. I don't know if this is a real product or just a product for the show. I don't know. Yeah. And then Hangman Hangman finds them, pays them their $12, says their drink is good. He stole it. Um, (laughs) He gives them the $12, and as they weren't paying attention, he took his $12 back. That Hangman dude, like he's so sly when he makes these little quick moves. Same way where they did with Matt Hardy in the contract. Like people got to keep an eye on Hangman. He's At what point are they going to take the twelve dollars and put it in their pocket? You have you you must have wallets somewhere. <laughs> yes, guys. come on. <laughs> it's like you just put it back on the table. To me, it was like you tell to me putting the money back on the table would be telling me you didn't want the money. You got the gesture that you wanted. So this $12 is the once again mine. But that was the episode of BTE. Uh, the episode of BTE this week. Uh, and just quick notes from Impact. Uh, Finn Juice is your new tag team champions. That's, uh, that is David Finley and Juice Robinson. I only bring that up because maybe they appear on Dynamite at some point. And Kenny Omega will be uh, uh, Rich Swan cut a promo uh, with Don. Uh, Callis gets in the ring and says, you're a great wrestler, but Kenny Omega's a wrestling god. And he just went through and how Kenny is so much better than Rich Swan. And next week, Kenny Omega will be on Impact Wrestling. So Impact Wrestling is dynamite. And then I watched the Tony little car segment but I didn't. I didn't put it on memory. It wasn't like breaking any stories for the show, so I didn't commit it to memory. But those yeah. are if you are up on Tuesday morning and you don't want to watch Impact, go to the AEW Twitter at AEW and go ahead and check out those little paid for commercial. Impact puts them out a lot of times, and they're hilarious. But you know, they're not. They're, that's oh, yeah. all they are. They're just funny. Yeah, and they can't always have like the huge spot, like when. Um when Tony Khan said, I am the forbidden door, they can't all have those big moments because like how many times can you kind of like make jabs at these companies that you're also working with, like, but also make them sting at the same time. So like I said, they're always funny, but they always go, they always go to the point that impact is trash. And that is hilarious (laughs) that impact allows a commercial where basically, (laughs) <laughs> I wouldn't call them competition, but basically the other group gets to call them trash in the 30 minute, 30 seconds. Well, no, spot. I was always wondering, like, when was the point where Impact was going to start doing their own promos on uh, AEW commercials? Yeah, it's just so, it's so funny because they just say, basically, you're trash, and then they move on. <laughs> it, it's pretty funny. Tony, yeah. the Tonys do a good job of varying Impact Wrestling. <laughs> Absolutely. But. With those little small bits out of the way, we can now get into AEW Dynamite for this week. I will say, before we get to the opening contest, um, when 
MJF, Wardlow, Sean Spears, uh, FTR, and Tully Blanchard all showed up in a private jet. That's a great way to make an uh, appearance and let people know that MJF's group will be appearing on Dynamite. I love that little spot right there. It gave me a lot of Evolution vibes, um, so I'm, I was all for that. The opening match was Penta El Zero Miedo versus the American Nightmare Cody Rhodes after their back and forth from last week where Penta made a jab at um, Cody Brandy and their new, their soon-to-be-born uh, uh, baby daughter. Um yeah, Cody wanted to get at Penta's head, so they immediately booked this match. Um, this was a really strong opening matchup. Uh, I did like um, Penta just being out, out and about, and just fucking around too. Like you could kind of, you could see just how much he was just yucking it up. Where he grabs a, uh, he grabs a little St. Patty's Day hat, puts it on his head, does a little pose. You could just see, just like there wasn't much urgency in him, and um, I like to think like that little storytelling moment was the reason as to why um, Cody ended up getting one over on Penta with the roll-up win. He took Cody too lightly. He was too busy trying to make a mockery out of Cody, and that proceeded to give Cody the opening for the win. Penta was not happy about that. He proceeded to jump uh, Cody's shoulder, beat him up, and just continue to beat down that shoulder uh eventually um the gun club comes out and uh with dustin and uh they all chase out penta uh and then while the whole nightmare family's in there and penta's walking back up the ramp look who shows up just at the nick of time it's everyone's favorite qt marshall who is just showing up at the worst possible time literally two minutes after cody got jumped no urgency whatsoever in that. And he was just like, people were like, where the hell were you? And Cody was just like, very much like, oh my God. And everyone else was getting really mad at QT. Um, I'm all for this little, like, uh, I, I'm interested to see exactly how QT as a heel against the Nightmare Family pans out. I do think this is good for his character because honestly, other than when he was just head over heels for Allie and just like, because that was also driving a wedge between the Nightmare Nightmare family. Um, QT really hasn't done much help for the Nightmare family. So if anything, guys, honestly, I see this as a win. So if he wants to leave, let him leave. Uh, but either way, uh, I really enjoyed this opening matchup. Um, I still think uh, there's plenty to do with Pence and Cody. I think this is a feud that could go a little bit longer. And I think that's the plan, that plan uh, moving forward. Uh, but yeah, this is much more what I expect Cody to be doing on AEW Dynamite, though. So, this match was great. one arm Cody beat Penta because, you know, he's better. Cody is better with one arm than most wrestlers are with both of their arms. Uh, but again, but again, Penta was being an ass. Hey, yeah, that's true. Cerro Meadow. Actually, Cerro Victoria. What that means in Spanish is zero wins. <laughs> no. Yeah, so, no. I love Pena and Ray, but when you come at the king, you best not miss. And that's what Cody is. Uh, QT? QT is me. I feel QT's character. This is the most interesting QT has ever been. He's the hardest worker. He doesn't ask for any credit. He's doing the production-assisted notes. He's working with young wrestlers. He's following Cody around. He's training his school, training all these wrestlers. And he's like, he knows it's it's a thankless job. 
But man, those kids that he's putting his time in, teaching them how to wrestle, man, they're going to remember him, right? So, you know, when they get up there and they get their first win, they're going to be like, I want to thank my coach, QT. And he's like, yes, I feel the future. That's what I do. And then he finally gets one. That uh, that Lee Johnson, that shoddy Lee Johnson, handsome, handsome, athletic, you know, well-spoken. Love me some Lee Johnson. But he cuts his promo and he leaves QT out. That's that's Man. it. That's his moment. That's his world title. You know, Cody's going to be in main events. Dustin's going to be in main events. You know, Cody's got the, the gorgeous wife that has a baby on it. Dustin has a bunch of kids. You know, they have all these things in front of them. But QT, all he has is his training kids that love him. And they're going to say, thank you, coach. And then they didn't. And he thanks Cody. And he thanks Dustin. And he even thanks Brandy. I'm surprised he didn't thank Pharaoh ahead of him. And just leaves his name out. That cuts you deep to the core. And you know mm-hmm. they make the point that the wrestlers watch the show. That means he's watched the show over and over and over again. And in no interview has he came back and corrected the fact that he didn't thank QT. Yeah. I feel QT's pain right now. Don't mess with Cody, though. Because you get your ass whooped. Cody, Cody feeds you. Cody is your king. And your king does not have to say thank you. Your king doing well is the thank you. But I can see his problem with Dustin and Lee. You know, I can I can see it. I can see why. I mean, he was back in production. It was a little far of a trek. I get it. I, get, <laughs> I understand. Maybe you don't run as fast as you possibly could because, you know, it's kind of a thankless job. So I, I get it. I feel QT. I feel QT. Because sometimes people don't, they don't understand the workhorses. Sure. But moving on to the next little moment, we got uh, Alex Marvez interviewing the AEW World Tag Team Champions, the Young Bucks. As the Young Bucks were talking about Ray Phoenix and how he beat uh, me in singles competition. And a year ago, you beat my brother. um, But we are World Tag Team Champions. Uh, So Ray and Pac... uh, you just happen to be the looking at the best damn tag team in professional wrestling. So basically being like, you beat us in singles competition, you haven't beaten us in tag team competition, so meh. Don Callis then shows up to interrupt the interview. He brings in the uh, no leg slapping uh, t-shirt, which kind of just felt like, um, like obviously they did. he did it to take a jab at the Young Bucks for their indie-rific style, um, but at the same time, it also is a jab to WWE. It was... It felt like he didn't need to do that, but you know what? Whatever. I, it's, you know it's what? I, I didn't think about it until after <laughs> Dave Meltzer and Joe uh, Lanza from Voices of Wrestling both brought this up. Otherwise, I wouldn't have thought about it. So I want to give credit where credit is due. You're kind of, you know, opening the door into the backstage. You're basically a magician talking about your magic tricks. Yeah. In front of the crowd. And. You know, for me, you, Joe Lanza, the Joe Lanza, Dave Meltzer, I'm not putting myself on either one of those men's level, but I'm just saying, 
for people that know a little bit more, that I know a little bit more about the backstage, not a big deal. Ha ha, it's funny. But for that casual fan you're bringing over, while mm-hmm. wrestling is going on, you're acknowledging it's kind of fake. And I don't think you want to remind people that wrestling is fake while they're watching wrestling. Now, if they tune yeah. in to the extra stuff, you know, the behind-the-scenes documentaries and stuff, you expect it. But while you're watching your show, you know, it'd be like on ER, right in the middle of a scene, they were like, ha, you know, we're not really putting the ventilator down his throat. That, you know, we can't do that. You know, we're just taping it to his mouth. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, no, I know you can't do that, but I don't really need you to tell me while I'm watching the show. That's it. There you go. Yeah, and I get that. So yeah, yeah like I said, the it, of the interview, it wouldn't have been even something I noticed. So it's like, but yeah, yeah, I do like that point brought up though. <laughs> but uh, the rest of the Don Callis uh, spot was when he talked about like, ah, man, it sounds like you guys were really worried. Um, but you, you were, I was worried about your dad since he got hurt. You guys didn't really do anything about it. I also talked about how he faked the eye injury uh, just because he's like, I wanted to see you guys to kick me actually because I wanted to see the Young Bucks from New Japan. You guys founded this place. It's all elite wrestling. You guys were killing the business, but now you let everyone else take credit for everything around here. Omega doesn't even recognize you guys. Um, Matt goes like, you've changed him. He's not the same. And he's like, you're right. Now he's the god of pro wrestling. He was here. Now he's up here. He doesn't recognize you guys because you're not elite anymore. You're just another tag team with fancy tights living off your name. And he was just like, when you look in the mirror, like, do you see the same Young Bucks? Which was a good promo. I like that a lot. Um, and I like how they bring up how, like, how much the Young Bucks were doing to like set themselves apart, and how. Despite the, however, it's like, it's like I I got that, but at the same time I'm like, well, they're the champions, so like, it seems like they're doing something right. But I I still loved how Don Callis was chipping away at the Young Bucks a little bit, and still doing his really strong heel manager work with Kenny Omega. These two do super good work together, um, and I would enjoy more so what happened later in the show with uh, Don Callis and Kenny Omega, uh, and just like the whole surrounding stuff with them and gals and Anderson and everything like that. It was really good stuff though. I do have to say the whole, I don't recognize you went over my head. I'm like, they're the tag team champions. That's what I was thinking. Like that's what it was in my mind. I was like, like, they're champions. They won the title before Kenny Omega won the world title. So they literally been tag champions longer than Kenny Omega has. Yeah, so, if they were not champions and they were just the Young Bucks like competing and stuff like that, I that that line would have stung a lot more. But since they were the champions, it was kind of like, eh, like uh, that yeah. that line didn't necessarily hit as much as it should have. Yeah, I just imagine it has to do with you know them being faces and not heels like they were in New Japan, which is sure neither here nor there. If you're successful, you're successful. But uh, yeah, I, I like uh, this whole segment was great. I know we're getting closer and closer to the Good Brothers versus the Young Bucks, and I'm excited when it happens because, personally, I love the Good Brothers characters, but their matches are just, like, Anderson's the wrestler, Gallows is the muscle. I get it. It's just, 
it's nothing it's very to old. It's very classic. Very yeah. Normal. yeah there's nothing Tattoo. to write home about. Yeah, it's not just like so. The young bucks make everybody look great. So I, I, I wonder how that's going to work out. I am looking forward to that match when it happens. Yeah. And I kind of hope had- the, I kind of hope the Good Brothers become the first like the first tag team champions not signed with AEW to be tag team champions. That would be interesting. I mean, that that would be very interesting. I would be interested with that. Um, but after this was Jade Cargill having her second match in AEW as she took on Danny Jordan. A uh, very quick matchup as she just really just demolished Danny Jordan, doing great work of keeping her looking like like a beast and just being the biggest eye catcher in all of AEW. Where it's like you change the channel on AEW at a random time and you see her, you're going to stay until she's off television. It's not going to you're not going to change the channel when Jade Cargill's on. It's just not going to happen. I feel like. Um, after the match was over, she walks up to Red Velvet and just starts running her mouth. Jade tries to take a, I mean, Red Velvet tries to take a swing at Jade, um, doesn't connect. They get separated, and um, Jade, you can literally hear Jade going like, "Not tonight, but I'm coming for that ass." Uh, I love just how much she, like, like I said, like if her her ring work, I mean, her mic work can just be this loud mouth just coming at your throat, bad bitch. Like I, and it's not just because they're both um, female African American athletes in in combat sports or anything like that. I see a lot of, um, and she's a hometown girl, so that's why I I, I support her. Clarissa Shields, uh, multi boxing champion of of uh, women's boxing, and she's from Flint, Michigan. Same kind of vibe I get from her. She's just an absolute beast, and she will like come after anybody she knows how she how good she is and she's just like unbelievably strong i see a lot of similarities between the two so if if she can if jay can really get her mic work to be like top tier like even if her in-ring stuff is not like anything like four horsemen level which it doesn't necessarily have to be she will be a star no question about it. And I really, truly believe that because there's just there's too much potential, I think, with Jade Cargill. Jade Cargill, my c- comparisons are, and I, I love how you Jalen Rose your comparisons. That's amazing. Uh, my comparisons <laughs> are Lex Luger, Goldberg. Uh, the guys in wrestling that look like are 100% when you look at them, you say that's a star, right? And it's like, Roman Reigns in that that thing. The first time you saw Roman Reigns, oh, they're gonna push him to the moon. That's what I see with Jamie Cargill. That is her comparison to me. It's just she just looks like Braun Strowman of the women's division. She just looks like perfect. If I'm going to design a creative wrestler, you give me the WWE 2K and you say, you know, go ahead and create a wrestler. And, and like your perfect wrestler, it's gonna look like Jade Cargill. I mean, she is completely ripped, fast, strong, all those things. It's like, it's like one of those things. If you if you can get her to buy into your vision, you, it's you. You're gonna go wherever you want to go because she has it. She just doesn't have experience yet. And so yes. I'm looking forward to what they do. This match was exactly what it needed to be. And honestly, for a year, 
I probably wouldn't have her in matches that lasted over five minutes. Like, Red Velvet, if I'm booking it in my mind, Red Velvet comes out, uses her speed for about two to three minutes, then Jay just basically catches up with her and then just dominates her the rest of the match. I, yeah, I just I, I don't, there needs to be too much there needs to be protection around her, I think. Yeah, I don't want to see too much selling. I don't want to see fifteen minute quote unquote bangers. I want her to dominate people for a year to the point where she is like, dude, no one has touched me in a year. Banging on the door, just beating up everybody until she gets her title shot. That is how you build a monster. That is how you build this first. I've seen AEW build characters like this. So I, I I have no problem waiting and I just hoping they they're patient. I'm like, I wouldn't even have her every week on Dark and Elevation. You know, I would mm-hmm. have her like every two weeks and then, you know, have the occasional dynamite match. I would just make her this big special attraction. And I don't want somebody to be like, well, I'm just turning on the CJ Cargill this week. I want people to be like, Oh, Jay Cargill's wrestling this week. I'm turning it on to see that. I I 100% agree. Do you think there's going to be a point where like, because I could honestly envision her being the girl to, I said that really well. I can honestly envision her being the girl to take the title off of uh, Hikaru Shida. I genuinely could see that happening because like if you go from a drastic shift in your your champion from somebody like uh, Hikaru Shida and Jade. I think that's such a huge jump that it's going to instantaneously like invigorate that title just because it's something far different than what we've had. Sheeta is not a very exciting champion, so I could almost see them going with someone else. Maybe Sheeta losing it to someone else, and then they get her ready for Jade. But if yeah, if they want to, if they're patient enough. And they want to go Sheeta for the next six, seven months, and like at Revolution, like I'm uh, not Revolution, full gear this year. Say you know, build Jade up for the next six months, and then be like Sheeta versus Cargill. Yeah, go with go with Jade because then she's the champion. They don't wrestle that often, and while she's training and getting better, you can be protecting her with easy wins. Sure, and then she could just run her mouth constantly. Oh God, yeah, and that's what I'm like waiting on. She needs a little bit more promo time. I, yes, uh, that's ring- the big thing. That that's that's the big thing I want improvement from. Like yeah. I said, ring work will come. That needs to be the main focus. Red Velvet is a great Fisher Price. My first rivalry. Absolutely, <laughs> get her out the way. You know, just like do you just learn how? Like this week, I don't I don't know if she's wrestling. But on one of the shows, or she should have a pre-taped promo where they can make sure everything's right, and she just basically destroys Red Velvet on the mic. I and you know try to make it. You know I wouldn't say try to make it viral, but you know you have that time to let it make enough of an impact. All right. Up next, the debut of MJF's brand new faction, brand new group. Him, Tully Blanchard, Sean Spears, Wardlow, FTR, all of them come down to the ring. We did leave a little bit of a spoiler since Floyd found out a week early what the group's name was called. But we had learned officially it is the pinnacle of pro wrestling. They are the pinnacle. And 
Tully gets on the mic first and just goes off. I loved seeing uh, Tully talking about like how he started his his career in pro wrestling with one of the baddest groups in professional wrestling, and he's going to finish it the same exact way, and that's great. MGF grabs the mic off top, like wins the night just by saying, "Well, I guess I am Judas now, huh?" Such a good line. Like, that couldn't have been set up any better. It talks about how pretending to like Chris wasn't easy because I was the most charismatic man, and I am the most charismatic man in pro wrestling, and I have to take a back seat to you for six straight months. And he had to fall back every time as far back as his hairline. He take, took a jab at his pecs being so far apart. MJF cut the promo of his life on this night like he wanted to just set himself up as like like he said i'm 24 years old same as age as me i like to say and honestly he is leaps and bounds ahead of where like people at my age uh tend to be so like i can't even i can't even front like i said like i i would kill to be in a position like he is but i am not uh so yes he is better than me and i, I absolutely know it um, but he says, I am 24, and in one year's time, on my only one year on television, I am the most talked about wrestler in pro wrestling history. And, like, you can't really argue with what he's saying. You, you truly can't. I loved how he built up, each, built up every member of his group, FTR being the best tag team in pro wrestling. Sean Spears being, like, the definition of a guy who has been put over way too many times and it's not gonna like it's put put to the side but he's not going to be playing around anymore he is the chairman he will show you why he's one of the best and then put a chair in your head just for good measure and then talking about just how amazing Tully Blanchard is building up Wardlow of course being the best insurance plan a guy could ask for he set up the pinnacle very very well and honestly it's there's there's this the amount of talent in this group is insane. I know AEW is not struggling for factions, but this faction alone is they've got a lot to work with here. And of course, the feud between them and the inner circle is gonna be absolutely great. Um as as somebody who is a fan of uh um all the members of the inner circle, I do want to see exactly how if if because I honestly see this as the point of where the inner circle dies to the pinnacle. Because I think it's just it's just leading up to that point because I think it'll get to the point where kind of everyone splits off, does their own thing, and then the pinnacle just runs rough shop. Maybe they come back together to get one over on the pinnacle. But I see this as a point where MJF's gonna take this group and ride it to the fucking moon. I this is my favorite thing ever in wrestling, and it is uh, I love it more than anything else, and it includes that. You know, you're probably thinking, he doesn't love it more than that. Yeah, I do. I love it more than that. Uh, I am a faction guy. I am a hill faction guy. I am a horseman guy. I mean, everything that this faction is, I'm a suit wrestler and suit guy. I'm a Tully Blanchard guy. I'm a FTR guy. So everything that this faction is, I am. My wrestling crush is who? Wardlow. <laughs> so it's like, this is like, other than Cody being the leader of the group, I mean, this is 
like perfect. And MJF is come on. The MJF is uh yeah. He he is so good at this. He gets the business like nobody else's business. So I'm not gonna try to go on long because I imagine through the time you continue with me, I'm going to go on a lot of rants about how great this group is. So I'm not gonna give everything in this case. I'm just gonna say I am looking forward to what this is in the future. This was the first perfect promo that I've ever heard that wasn't done by Cody. Like that's when I a, say that's a really good point. Perfect promo. It established everybody. He didn't just make himself look good. He made every individual in the group look good and indispensable. He didn't go out and get he didn't go out and get a group. He went out and got the best. He he did it and he did it without ever saying the word elite. I think that is a very small thing that uh that nobody picked up on is that he never said the word elite. He he used Every pretty much every synonymous word for it, but he never said it because you know it's not about them. This is about the pinnacle. It is about this group, the mountain. And again, I explain many different ways where the pinnacle uh, came from. I share it on my page, or you could go to Wardlow's page. He shared a video over the last six months, nine months. There has been they have dropped hints that this is coming. Every wrestler in the group had used the pinnacle in a promo or a catchphrase. They put each other over when, uh, last year when there was no crowd, who was sitting together? MJF, Sean Spears, Mm -hmm. Wardlow, Tully Blanchard. It is perfect. Oh my God. I love it. I bought, I bought a shirt immediately. The only question when I was buying the shirt is whether I was going to get two. I, I, that's it. I, I, I love it. Uh, they got me. They they absolutely got me. Uh, yeah, and and that was the short version of everything I could say about this. So I'm gonna stop talking now. All right. We then had the ten man tag match between Jurassic Express, Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, Marco Stunt, and Bear Country, Bear Boulder, and Bear Bronson versus Big Money Matt's crew, including Matt Hardy, Private Party, and the Butcher and the Blade. Um. For tag for 10-man tag matches, this match had a lot of big spots. This match had a lot of... If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Huge moments. Um, I will say the finish, like, I mean, we kind of knew this was going to the point where Marco Stunt uh, got himself uh, uh, pinned. I will say I did enjoy the fact that, like, Marco has kind of, and I want them to kind of lean into this a little bit more because Marco's starting to like like actively show himself to be a liability as he tagged himself into the match and then proceeded to get gin and juiced by Private Party and Matt Hardy getting the pin on him. Like if he would have just stayed back and not gone full scrappy dude, let me at him, it would have been completely fine. The faces would probably have won the match, but Marco once again getting well over his head. Um, I want to see kind of like. Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus be like, man, like, 
like you got to look at yourself like you're costing us these matches man and i want to see like a little bit like i think it would it could be actually done well because like i said people already don't take marco seriously so leaning into that i think is a good thing um but like for 10 men matches i thought this was good i really enjoyed it um i am surprisingly um interested a little bit in bear country just a little bit but i think i need to see I want to see more of them, but at the same time, it's like, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like they're more, they need a little bit more time on dark. I think their work rate is good, but I think it's like, I'm in a weird place where it's like, I don't like dislike them, but I want to see more of them. But I also like, am okay if they're not on dynamite every single week. It's, it's a weird point. I think it's a weird, like, well waiting point of like, just trying to see where my, my feelings lie towards bear country. I think it's just kind of in the middle right now. It's a. This was a great way to get a bunch of guys. A great, way, a great way to get a bunch of guys on TV uh, that you don't see every week, and it was a great way to kind of start another feud for Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus to win. Because if you notice with them, they'll win a feud, then they'll lose a feud. So they kind of lost the FTR feud, right? So yes. now they're kind of going to give them Bear Country. That's a few they can win and, you know, keep them looking good, especially with them kind of being the undersized group because Bear Country's so big. Marco, he's a mascot. That's what he is. He is scrappy dude. And, you know, that's what he's going to do. And But it's a perfect, he's a perfect catalyst for when either, I don't see Luchasaurus doing it, but when Jungle Boy, if he ever goes heel, which I don't think he should for a very long time, but if he ever decides to go heel, Oh my God, he has a hundred reasons to go heal on Marco Marco stunt every week. He's like, you know, you know, you can be like some people are just built to do this, and you aren't. You know that kind of promo kind of thing. So yeah, so to me, it's just laying the foundation for whenever one of them decides, you know, they've had enough. But on the other side, it did give your, you know, when you got a new group. You know, with Matt Hardy now adding the Butcher, the Blending, and the Blade, you need, you need, to, they got to win some. It's like, mm-hmm. I, it's my biggest thing with Team Taz. All they do is lose. So, yeah. So I'm glad uh, they got to win. Yeah. Which I am actually excited. Um, it's a good thing to actually, um, we'll get into this a little bit later, but I'm going to want to talk about uh, Team Taz a little bit too. Um, we had a quick promo with, uh, uh, Christian Cage being interviewed by Dasha Dasha uh, backstage. Um, Christian did really good on this promo, honestly. Like, kind of using the whole term workhorse as, like, like he didn't want it to be, like, his crutch. Like, he said that I am the workhorse. Like, there's, like, really leaning into the whole outwork everybody, uh, the whole thing. And I did enjoy how, like, he brought up, it's like, John Moxley said he said, he thought he knew something about pro wrestling until he got into the ring with me. Um, he makes wrestling and wrestlers better. He makes them level up. Um, so not just like putting himself over as just enhancement talent. Like, no, it's like wrestling would be worse off if it wasn't for me. Um, really pushing himself and like talking about how how big and how important uh, he is when people were like, I was gone for for a while but the moment i set foot in AEW in a, in a ring you're gonna remember why um i was as good as i am uh he talks about how he's got his eyes on kenny omega the AEW world champion 
He's like, I'm going to get some wins. I will see Kenny down the road, though. And he's here in AEW to cement his legacy, showcasing why he's going to outwork everybody. I do really enjoy... I did really enjoy this promo. And I want to see Christian really showcase his stuff. Because like I said, like a Christian, I always felt like had so much to offer in uh, in uh, in pro wrestling. And I always shouted my praises for him. Not just him and Edge, but just like... It was always felt like he kind of got the Matt Hardy treatment for the longest time with the tag team situation where he was just viewed as the lesser compared to Edge, who would go on to be multi-time world champion. And then, meanwhile, Christian would lose the lose the title and then be a, a snarky heel who would just be like, I want one more match. I want one more match and just lose and lose and lose. But I'm telling you, man, like, I think AEW is going, like, if this is where Christian, like, kind of wraps up his career... I'm all for it, honestly. You you want to know something crazy? I'm going to say a statement and you tell me if you disagree or agree. Christian okay. Christian meant way more to TNA than Edge ever meant that, to WWE. That is so true, dude. I like I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah. Edge was never the guy in no, WWE. He was, he was I mean, he was WWE champion, but like he was never the guy. Who, let's not forget the guy who ended up putting it down, and yeah. it was John Cena. So he was never the guy. But Christian was the guy in TNA. He was in the main event like every week. He was important to that next level TNA had to take. So I just thought him leaving was so smart. And this promo, I don't like. I said I used the word earlier, but for what it needed to be, it was perfect. Because it settled a bunch of people down that thought he was coming in to wrestle Kenny Omega first. He's like, I need some wins first. But Kenny Omega, it's on a ticking cock. Maybe it's maybe it's a month. Maybe it's six months. But he's saying, I got shit to handle before I go to the champion. I'm not just skipping ahead in line. I'm the workhorse. I'm here to outwork everyone. I just thought that was perfect. It was like anybody that thought... Oh, they just signed the next WWE guys to put them in the main event. You're you're wrong. And the promo set this up. He's saying, I'm not going to the head of the line. And this is the perfect way to do it. I heard some statements earlier this week how Booker T says, uh, you know, AEW's in a case of, uh, you know, uh, uh, in the danger of becoming WCW. And I look at him and I laugh because uh, AEW does sign veterans. But... Look at who the main eventers are. It is the top push people. If you're going to A tier, you're going Kenny Omega, John Moxley, and probably Hangman in that top A level. You know, yeah, and then Cody. A, they, Cody. I don't think I think I don't think Booker T like like I I do understand where he's coming from with that, but at the same time. I don't think AEW is going to go down the route of New Blood versus Millionaires Club in terms of the way that they're going to use their veterans. Like, it's just not going to be yeah. that kind of show. It's some part to me. It sounds like someone that doesn't watch the show but kind of pays attention to the news of it, sure. and then they comment. Like Jr. said something really w- weird this week, and he said this about uh, Andrade. And he said his claim to fame is dating Charlotte, and I was like. You, I say no. I say if you don't watch wrestling, you know what I mean. If you don't watch wrestling, if you're not a super fan, which Jr. is past that, right? 
Yes. JR is, he's in wrestling. He's an executive. He calls wrestling every week. Do I expect him to watch every NXT takeover and look at Andrade's record, uh, results before he got to the WWE main roster? No. He, no. No, that's that's beneath him. Really, it is. It's beneath him. Sure. Yeah, he's, well, again, he's, like he's, he's focused with the yeah. show that he's covering. Yeah, so in his mind, you know, all he's done is date Charlotte. I'm like, dating Charlotte is like the last year of his life, maybe. I'm like, no, this dude's one of the best, top ten best wrestlers in North America, as my friend James Boyd said. So, I just, it's just funny. It's like, but when you're in the business, Booker T runs a training school. He does his podcast every week. They watch wrestling with one eye open. And they don't have to watch it as deep in detail as they watch wrestling with one eye. And sometimes when you watch wrestling with one eye, you're like, if you only have one eye, you don't get quite that depth perception that everybody else has. And, yes. and, it, and it causes you to miss on some of these statements. Sure. Yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but going into the next little moment that we have to cover, um, we had John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. He they cut a really good promo too, uh, talking about uh, the Good Brothers and just like um, took a jab at talking shop. Uh, I love that. Um, I love John and Moxley, John Moxley and Eddie Kingston just bouncing off each other so perfectly, um, and. Like I'm, I'm a hip hop guy, so the Tupac reference and the Fifty Cent reference, I appreciate very much. So, um, so that promo leading into the match was really good, especially considering the fact that Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson continued their like their whole heel persona of just getting in people's business and just being just general cheap shot artists and just jumping uh, John Moxley and and Eddie Kingston, well, jumping Eddie Kingston more so right off the top. Uh, for everything he said and just like as he's coming out the ring moxley that would then come by come in come down and try to break it up and settle the match and get get it all started up he was taped up like crazy for this match um and this match was really good honestly i did see um i did enjoy how like despite the fact that john moxley had all these injuries like he didn't really sell a ton of them which i mean you could tell like say that like He's crazy and he just doesn't give a shit. But like I the fact that he got the pin was a little bit surprising to me. I thought maybe Eddie could have gotten the pin off of like like the guys focusing on uh John Moxley and then Eddie comes in and then takes the win. Um I would appreciate that a little bit more. So um I mean despite that he got uh, it was a it was a more of a roll up win. Um <clears throat> excuse me. But I would have still, I, me personally, I would have thought it more appropriate if, like, just they were teaming on Moxley just because he was so already beaten up and he was the tougher guy. But I would have loved it if Eddie was able to get one on him. Um, but John, John would get the roll up win on this match, which was really good, honestly. I did enjoy this tag match. After that, uh, Good Brothers, once again, they continued to just jump these two, beat up John Moxley um, and uh, Eddie Kingston. Kenny Omega's music hits and he just starts strutting to the ring to his music and it was instantly gift. God damn is this man not so entertaining. Don Callis by his side grabs a steel chair. He's about to set it up and deliver a message to John just staring right in his face. Eddie Kingston not giving a damn just comes in just tackles uh, Kenny Omega straight up. Good brothers then beat up on him. King Kenny's just fuming 
takes a shot at um at uh Eddie Kingston. I still love that no die, no fear attitude of Eddie just putting himself in positions where he might not win this fight, but he's gonna get a shot at you, like whether you like it or not. Um eventually they hit the uh, magic killer on uh Eddie Kingston. Uh, Kenny Omega then proceeds to put a steel chair around Eddie Kingston's leg and they stomp on it from the top rope. Then they try to do the same around uh, John Moxley's neck with a steel chair. And that's when the Young Bucks saw come out, finally stop this. And this is where we see the Young Bucks pretty much be like, you know what? Fuck this. Uh, once again, Kenny goes to the hole. We're friends. Too sweet, me, my brothers. And eventually, like, Hangman, uh, not Hangman, sorry. Matt and Nick just like, nah, we're done with this. Forget this. You, this is, this is absurd. Um, Kenny is, of course, wearing their, their for life shirt, gets mad at them, takes the shirt, throws it in their face, and starts putting the two sweet in their face. Um, I would have loved it if they super kicked Don Callis and just peaced out. Um, but, Regardless, they walk away as Kenny and Don Callis and the Good Brothers are just yelling at the Young Bucks, and they're just seeing their friend just very much not there anymore. And I love this moment. This was so well done, and it was great just to see the Young Bucks just kind of look off and just be like, "We can't deal with this," and they just leave. Well, yeah, uh, this whole segment was crazy. Two th- one thing I liked that Christian didn't come out. Yeah, I was uh, so I, glad I, that didn't happen. I want Christian to stay away from Kenny Omega as long as possible. They had their, hey, I'm here and I'm coming after you thing. And now I want them to be completely apart. I like Christian to go into other feuds and do whatever else he's going to do. Maybe pick up some wins on the different shows. Of course, his first singles match has to be a big deal on Dynamite. They got to announce that. But you know what I mean? I want yes. him to stay away from uh, I want him to stay away from Kenny Omega. Second thing. His faces don't have any friends. You know, we know this. I And I actually understand this case. Eddie Kingston has literally turned on every friend that he's had in the company. Uh, he had, he got Pena and Ray, turned on them, tried to split them up. Butcher Blade and the Bunny, he turned on them when he came from Oxley, you know. And then he was a dick to everybody else. So no one's coming to save Eddie Kingston. And John Moxley was a year champion for the year and literally beat everybody on the roster. So nobody's coming out there to save him. Though what took him out is the, what happened is they were like going to break like a meal ticket, you know, a meal ticket's neck. And then the Young Bucks is like, we're EVPs. You're like, dude, you can't. No, this is too this is stupid. It's too far. You can break Eddie's leg. Eddie's Eddie. But... John Moxley is like one of our biggest draws. You can't break his neck. <laughs> and they came out and they stopped him. They're like, you're going too far. Smart. Smart. You got you to gotta think past what they tell you. You see who they came and saved. Eddie's, yes. Eddie will fight with a broken ankle, whatever. But Moxley can't break his neck. What's, what's, what's wrong with you? And so uh, and then I see the tension, more of the tension between Young Bucks and the Good Brothers. Apparently, Cody sent out a tweet or a message saying letting the bucks know i know i've been doing my own thing but i got your back so maybe we get a kenny omega and good brothers versus the young bucks and cody which would make sense or i was like the young bucks and moxley would be interesting because there are no two wrestling styles that are further apart than john moxley and the young bucks 
Yeah, they're <laughs> so intriguing. <laughs> John Moxley, every match is a fight. Uh, <laughs> Young Bucks, it, you know, they, they wrestle, they perform, but it's like, no, Moxley is out there to kill and maim his people. So I'm, I was very excited about this, this end match and what it leads to in the beginning. And Kenny's like, he's been healed, but it seems like every week he's like turning it up a notch. And you know, I'm not saying Kenny's not one of the best wrestlers, best performers in the world, but having someone like Don Callis right there and, you know, that has been a heel in wrestling for God knows how long, you know, like changing little subtle things about what he does to make him even more annoying. And, Absolutely. And I was like, I hate Kenny Omega and I can't wait for him to lose. That's kind of <laughs> like, and that means they're doing their job. So, yeah, I, th- I just, I thought, the, I thought this because this is how technically the episode of Dynamite ended. So that was uh, no, well, not necessarily. No, it's it's the gimmick. Light, lights yes, out matches. Sure. Technically, the actual official show ends after this match. Well, yeah, after this <laughs> match. Yeah, yeah, I was just playing it. Match, yeah. yeah, I was just kind of playing it. I know they, they have another match, I guess. So, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, th- I thought this was very entertaining. I thought this was good. Absolutely. Next was TNT champion Darby Allen and Sting being interviewed by Tony Schiavone. Um, Darby talked about uh, his uh, street fight at Revolution, um, talked about when he won the TNT championship. He's like, I've defended it only three times since I've won the title back in November, and that's a joke. And now everything's done with Team Taz. I want to be a defending champion, so I want to pay tribute to the greatest TNT champion champion of all time to start off Cody so Rhodes. dark order okay well people started changing brody i understand floyd has a differing opinion on that but he was very much referencing brody lee but if you talk to floyd greatest gnt champion is cody Rhodes. he has so. defended the title more times than anyone else has defended it that's all i got to say. that is very true that is very true so darby allen makes a reference to brody lee and goes dark order you want this belt back, step up, open challenge. Any one of you guys, come after it. And I like that a lot more, honestly, than just the normal open challenge of just anybody can get it. Because at least there's a good little story moment there of just, there's a lot more riding on this than just if some random person came and challenged for the title. Because now it's like, we're winning the belt for Brody. We're winning the belt for the group to get the title back. Um, Brody never lost the title. Well, I mean, he did lose the title. Yeah, my bad. Um, but Brody never got a chance to get the title back. We want to win this this for Brody. I think that's huge, and I like that a lot. Um, after that, though, after he says that, though, Murderhawk Monster, Lance Archer, and Jake the Snake come out once again and interrupt Sting and proceed to just say, how many times, Shivani, are you going to interview Sting? How many times? It should be my time. And... Lance just goes, Darby, the internet might think you're terrific, but you're the most indie-rific guy in this business, and you're a joke. Whoo, doggy. That was a line. Um, if you liked coughing so much, I'll put you at, put your ass in one was also a good line. And then, boy, howdy. You get, uh, you get Jake the Snake on the mic, and it's going to do great. So it's like, you're going to get what's coming to you. Uh, Tony Khan better realize that you shouldn't play with Fire Sting. Um, so once again, teasing a possible feud and most likely a feud between Lance Archer and Sting. 
Um, and right before they continue to talk again, Team Taz all of a sudden shows up. Taz starts running his mouth, uh, but then Brian Cage takes the mic and says, you're not speaking for me tonight because I got something to say, and it's not about Darby, it's about Sting. You showed up with some hot shot. You stuck our nose in our business every week. And after all this, I got to say, I respect you. And Ricky Starks is wrong, honestly. With with or without the bat, you're still an icon. And Team Taz is just like, the fuck are you doing? And I loved interaction. This was one of the best things I saw from Team Taz. Brian just being like, you know what? I got to say it, man to man. You were the better man, and you are still the icon. And Team Taz is like, no stop and just like already like this little breaking apart of brian cage with team taz this interaction was great i love this uh i especially love just staying in darby just looking on as they're just bickering just being like oh boy they got some issues um but i do like this idea of like uh, this little mo- just this moment alone of just brian actually being respectful and actually giving props to sting and then his, the whole crew just being like no, man, you're supposed to be shit-talking this dude. I thought that was really strong. Um, this this little segment was nice. I enjoyed this, though. Literally the most subtle face turn in, like, wrestling history. <laughs> yeah. Especially uh, just the reaction sold it for me. That whole yeah. if, if Brian would have just said that and just outright, it would have been nice. But the fact that Team Taz sold it was like, what the what? And he started by saying, Dar- he said it like, Ricky is wrong. He didn't like, he just, he came straight at Ricky Starks. Oh, yeah. Did this whole segment. Uh, Lance, Ar- Lance is, I have said like many times before, like there are hills and there is faces. Lance Archer is the perfectly written tweener. Oh, yeah. He goes at everybody. You literally can't call him a heel or a face because he doesn't attack you from behind. He's not that guy. He's the guy that comes up to your face and says, I want to fight you. And then you fight and you want to fight you because I can beat you, you know, that kind of thing. And that's what he did to Darby and Sting. I mean, you might, you know, it doesn't matter what tunnel he comes out of. The dude's just angry and pissed off all the time. And it was just like, he, he, he is the hero we all need because Yes, Sting has been interviewed way too many times. Now, Darby, the whole indie-rific thing, eh, I mean, I mean, you're kind of on the indie-rific show, so saying indie-rific is like, I don't, I don't really get that one. Uh, but, it, but yeah, the, varying, the whole Sting interview thing was great. Uh, Brian Cage, perfect. He's a good heel. I think he's better as a face. And Team Taz was getting stale with all the losses. Yes, Sorry. I do think this this does invigorate like yeah. so much of of Team Taz. Just this little interaction, I think, and this is good for Team Taz because you move Cage to the face side, you uh, you elevate Hobbs to being more the monster of the group. Maybe Hook gets more involved in the matches, and now you got Hobbs uh, basically taking Cage's spot, and now you got Ricky who has a beef with Cage. And you can pretty much go either way with the rivalry and who wins, and it will be fine. Uh, Brian Cage has lost too much to me. In like yes. he's already lost more times in AEW than he lost in Impact. You know, like the whole time he was in Impact. So 
cages and machines. Yeah. So I don't I don't know what I I honestly don't know what I would do to him because I wouldn't make him world champion. But it's kind of what you know. Cage is one of those feast or famine people. He's on <laughs> either on a winning streak or he's losing all the time because of how he looks. He looks like a star all the time, and he's a great worker. So it would he would be great to kind of build up to lose to Kenny. But you know we we'll, we will see going forward. Brian Cage, Kenny Omega main event on Dynamite. Oh my God, take my money, take yes. my money but yeah i think the segment again it it left enough strings to you where you don't know where it's going and i I, and i like that because i don't think after all you know is cage is probably not going to mess with team taz i don't know if they're going to stretch it out a few weeks where they try to reconcile and then slowly break up again or if if they're done now but I felt like there's a lot of hanging strings there. And with a mid-card title, mid-card feud, that's kind of perfect. I agree. We then had the final sanctioned match of the show, which was Ray Phoenix versus Angelico. This was just a nice, strong back-and-forth match between two. Uh, like, honestly, I saw this as like, um, oh, nice. We got some like a nice little like match I would normally see on AAA. Because I thought this was actually like just they had a nice little back and forth. There wasn't really anything to this match necessarily. They were just kind of facing off against each other, really just building up the fact that like Ray Phoenix is one of the best guys they have. You basically have to put him on television because just he's so good. And and then Helico had a really good showing too, I think. Um, and it was just a nice little match to be, I guess, the the prelude into what would be the unsanctioned match that would be afterwards. Don't have a ton to say about this. I I, I just thought this was a nice little nice little match to close the. Yeah, there's, uh, there's planned nothing, part of the show. There's nothing to say about this. This was just to get Ray Phoenix a win on TV. It made me wonder because on Dark there was a match between Jack Evans and uh, Ten, where Jack Evans uh, accidentally did like a Phoenix splash, but he landed like his knee on Ten's face, and they like busted it wide open. So he had like blood gushing from his mask after. Yeah. After after the show, and I was like, and I heard <clears throat> the internet, you know, grain of salt that Jack Evans had a little heat for doing that, and I wonder if this was supposed to be a tag team match that then got changed to a singles match based on that, or was it always a singles match and always a singles match that maybe got recorded before? But it was it just you know it's one of those things that yeah. tag matches like Ray Phoenix in a singles match with Pac on the outside actually didn't make any sense when they're the number one contenders for the tag team match. So I mean, I, the show, yeah. the show was pre-taped, so we, we don't necessarily know, but like either way, yeah, yeah, but doesn't I, it, I, I mean, can you question like they're the number one contenders for the tag team titles? They're no, both that's healthy. A big thing, yeah. yeah. Why are they not doing a tag team match and building up their tag team record? Uh, somebody pissed somebody off. I could see that happening. Yeah. I'm just saying speculation. I'm having fun. I'm a fan. I, I I make up shit. There you go. All right. Yeah. Well, let's absolutely. Move on. Take it with take it take it with the grain absolute salt. grain of salt. Hey, man, dude. I don't know. Think enough people uh pay attention like gospel to the show. But yeah, if I was to see that as a tweet that I said that, I would be so angry because it was just me talking shit. Absolutely. <laughs> hey. And also, I will say slight slight little tangent before we get to the main event. Uh, like. Try to take that with most wrestling in terms of nowadays, because I know, like, I 
I didn't necessarily jump on it, but I did say if this happened, oh my god. But if, it, um, but with a massive if, um, when people freaked out about Maki Ito's Twitter going private, um, people instantaneously thought it was like like people bullied her off of it. People were already like speculating like crazy about like what actually happened when like we found out she got hacked. Um, so like. Like obviously, you can speculate and like wonder what happened and stuff like that. But like to like jump to conclusions and like this happened, it had to have happened. Like, let's pull pump the brakes on that. Like, uh, uh, like yeah, I, yeah. I completely agree with you because it's just like, dude, it's like, dude. I know. Unfortunately, there are people that live on Twitter. I I, I am very aware of Twitter all the time. But I am by no means active and live on Twitter. I actually wish I was more active on the AT Elite Pod Twitter. And I try to tell myself, well, you should at least go on there 30 minutes a day. And I have a hard time doing that because I'm just I'm more of a scroll and look at what people are saying on Twitter than I am a post on Twitter guy. So but there's people that live on Twitter. And it was like the moment her account was gone, they knew and they needed they needed to know a reason. And it's just like. And sometimes me and my uh, friends get in an argument because they'll be like, why aren't they telling us? I'm like, because we don't need to know. Well, I need yeah. to know. And I'm like, why? <laughs> I'm like, why? Why do you need to know? It's like certain things that happen backstage, it's great. You want to listen to Meltzer, you want to listen to anything, and you get to know what happens backstage, that's fine. But it's not our right to know. It's not our right to know who has heat. It's not our right to know who's getting buried. None of that's our right. Just, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, that's that's a part of the production side. If they want us to know, that's great. But, yeah, it's not, a, it hasn't, it's funny because we know so much, we start to think that we're entitled to know it. Yeah, no, and that's not the case. Yeah. But, now we can get into the main event, the unsanctioned lights out match between Dr. Brick Baker, DMD, versus Thunder Rosa. And my God, these girls, they just fucking knocked it out of the park. Like, oh my God. I can like, honestly say this is my favorite women's match that I've ever watched on TV. Uh, it is my favorite dynamite to add match ever. I. Don't think they could have done better. I know there are people out there that gray matches for a living and they break down each individual move and watch it in slow motion and then give. But as soon as this match was over, I said, whatever rating scale that you have, this should be the highest. I thought it was five stars. I thought it was, as I use on my around the ring, 10 smiley faces. I thought it was (laughs) an A plus, uh, it was. It brought me joy on a level that not a wrestling match had happened. And when I say this, I want to make this clear. I respect this match enough to say it's the best dynamite match I've ever seen. Did I say it was the best women's dynamite match I've ever seen? No. It's the best yeah. dynamite match I've ever seen. I and I I what I put over Kenny Omega and Kenny Omega and um. Uh, what was a Pac in Kansas City to two out of three falls classic match for what this match meant for the company for the division for dynamite in general the you know one of the highest rated segments uh it gained like 80,000 viewers 
Uh, Meltzer gave it a 4.75. Uh, I, I didn't respect his opinion uh, with that, but I, I'm a five-star guy. But with what it did and meant for this women's division, which a lot of people would say, I think we did a show, what, five months ago? Talking about how the women's division wasn't, you know, where it needed to be. Mm-hmm. Five months later, it's main event in the show, and they knocked it out the park. Absolutely. And again, like, it, it comes down to the fact that we knew, like, this division had talent. We, we knew that it just wasn't being presented in a way that, like, got people talking. Um, and let me preface this by saying, like, obviously, don't just go out there doing, like, all these matches, like, back-to-back-to-back and stuff like that, like, with these unsanctioned matches. Obviously, that's not what we're pushing across. But what I am saying is that leading into this, it felt so gradual and it felt natural. And the way that they built up this feud was so well Done. And I would also like to say this feud didn't even need the world title. They didn't even need the women's title to get this feud over. They didn't even need that for this match. They just did it. And I've got nothing but praise for Thunder Rosa and Dr. Brett Baker. They killed this shit. And like I said, like this kind of performance is like the representation for the women's women on the roster is perfect. These two girls were given a massive spot. They went out and they destroyed it and they lived up to what the match was presenting and what it was trying to get across. I have nothing bad to say about this. Like this watching this match made me fucking so happy. Both women got both women got color, which is bleed in wrestling terms. I'm pretty sure you know that if you're listening to this show. Uh, Table spots, tacks chairs a a rebel is you know like she started off as this comedy character i don't know if they thought she was gonna have like a long-term stand she has become essential to Britt baker's act like every almost every single big spot that like that Britt got was in in part thanks to rebel like getting the getting the like the ladder spot or the table set up and all that kind of stuff or getting the chairs in the ring for that massive superplex on the chairs. Like rebel did great. Like ringside manager performance on this match. Like no question about it, but like, yeah. And then they did the best thing. They gave her her table spot. They like rewarded her, you know, with a big spot where she went through it through the table and Thunder Rosa just looked like a monster, you know, because all this crap was done to her and she just kept coming and kept coming and in in the end it was her finisher off the apron through the table the blood added to the match the table added to the match the uh thumbtacks added to the match nothing came off as uh grotesque or unnecessary everything added to this match they gave i mean these two Women just went out there and killed it in probably the most important match for the women's division in AEW. They got put in the front of the spotlight. They drew. That was the first thing. That was the highest segment on the show was these two. They drew. That means what I've been screaming for a year. If you don't, if you want the women to be presented don't turn the channel. How many times did I scream that statement? 
How many all, times? All the time. How many, how many times have you heard me say those exact words? And guess what? They didn't just turn the channel. They tuned in. They changed from NXT. Everyone's tuned in to watch this women's match. And, you know, everybody's talking about it. And it's just like both of them. This is how you keep somebody over even when they lost. I think Britt Baker became a star in a match that she lost. Thunder Rosa yes. was already a star. This is like whatever you want to do. And then she did the tweet after, you didn't kill me, which was awesome. It's like, dude, I could, man, I could do, like literally could have done an hour on the show. Our boy Rich, we will, I, I'm, we both wish a very well, get well soon because he came down with a sickness. He was going to just make a segment about how awesome this match was just because he's just like, dude, I just need to talk about this wrestling match. And it's just people calling me, texting me that I haven't talked to in months. My friend Rusty, who we have that kind of relationship where we might not talk to him months, but we just start like right in the middle of the conversation. First thing he gets, I'm getting a Britt Baker shirt. That's the first text I get. I need one now. And it's just like you brought in people that really probably weren't into your product all that much. And well, again, like going towards like how people talked about the women's division, like, like I said, like when we were doing that show five months ago or so, like we knew like people were dogging on the fact that AEW wasn't presenting their women in, in the best light and then would also like then double back to them being like, oh, but you'll do AEW heels. Like it's like your whole purpose for the women's division is to get AEW heels over. And then AEW throughout that time, slowly but surely, we're giving the women more and more chances to shine, whether it be the tag team tournament, whether it be the whole women's eliminated tournament from the American side, the Japanese side, you gave the Joshi talent. And like, that's how we discovered Maki Ito, who has automatically become a lot of people's favorite, not just like women in, in AEW, but characters in wrestling. And it's just because of her like outright incredible charisma and just how they portray her. And like, now we have this unbelievable lights out match between like what I felt like, like I, I, I knew when they signed Thunder Rosa and she started doing stuff with AEW, I was like, this girl, like I is going to be one of the backbone people in the women's division. And Britt has always, besides her injuries was always one of those girls for the division. And now that she's fully back, she's healthy and she's able to do matches like this. Putting those two girls together, this was the culmination of what the women's division, what we wanted it to be for so long. And we're finally getting to that point of where the women are just as good, if not better, than the men on the roster. And there is an actual argument between the divisions of like just like people enjoying women's wrestling on AEW, which is so much like I'm so happy we've gotten to this point. Yeah, I am uh I am ecstatic about this and this match I'm super proud of it and it's just like uh the the storyline was everything. The storyline, the build was everything. It was perfect. They gave you a match you can sink your teeth into and they have I can't I'm not going to say every match needs to be a blood feud, yes. but they need to they need to use this as an example going forward. Uh, as far as the feuds, they're doing it with Jay Cargill and Red Velvet. It started in a tag match. They're kind of looking at each other. And now they're, you know, it seems like they're building towards a singles match. But build, build, 
build. I can't say that word enough. Build, build. This week we got uh, we got a match between the two and the three on the women's division. There's stakes ahead. You know what I mean? It's just like the matches have to mean something. It's it, and it's unfair because you can just throw a, you know like a Pac and you know Pac and what's his name uh from the TH2 uh, Jack Evans you could put a pal Pac and Jack Evans in a match and then not be going anywhere and people still tune in with women unfortunately you need a reason you know and they did a great job building a reason and like i said it uh the feuds that are coming up in the future now if they could have this sort of feud with the title on the line yes, oh exactly. my god Oh my God! I think it even elevates it again. But if we've you don't shown think now, this... we've shown now that you with with the women talent on the roster, if you build it right, you don't need the title. Now is the point where you make that women's title so important. If you don't think Wednesday was a huge, gigantic leap forward, you're not paying attention. Just look at the numbers. That should tell you. High, highest rated, highest rated show you know it's like what there you go that's that's all you need to know at that point that right there will put a cap on this aw dynamite uh look at just what was a crazy good show um we'll go real quickly into our preview for next week's aw dynamite um with the matches that were announced we have first off they confirmed who will be taking the open challenge for the Dark Order against Darby Allen for the TNT Championship. It's Johnny Hunger because, of course, it is. I love that Johnny's getting the shot at the title. I expect nothing but a great performance from both Darby and John. I'm all for this. Um, we get FTR and Sean Spears teaming up to face off against the Varsity Blondes and Dante Martin. Kill. I'm I'm begging like these three. Kill the Blondes and Dante. I want to see these two, these two, the, like FTR and Spears go like sicko mode on these fools. Uh, Nyla Rose will get a match against Tay Conti. I'm glad that they're uh, giving Tay Conti a lot of uh, spots to improve and to shine. I'm really all for that. Um, and Nyla obviously has done really well stuff for the women's division. So I think this could be a really strong women's match. Um, and Kenny Omega will be having his title defense. Uh, well, his, 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 not his title defense, but his, Chance for Matt Seidel to get a title shot on Dynamite after what happened uh, on Elevation. So this will be if Matt Seidel gets a future championship shot against Kenny Omega. If they want to elevate Darby Allen, this is the perfect match to do it because he's a really good offensive wrestler. I don't like, I mean, like a really, I mean, like John L, I mean, John said was a really good offensive wrestler. So Darby Allen's going to sell most of the match if, you know, because that's a Darby Allen match. FCR and Spears, I'm looking forward to what their, what everything, what their presentation is going to be. Are they going to be like all wearing the pinnacle shirts, all that kind of stuff? Are they going to cut a promo as soon as the match over? There's so many things going on in my mind. Uh, Nyla Rose and Ty Conti. I think it's time for Ty Conti to get the win. Uh, I think yes. she's lost to Nyla twice. I think uh, I think you might go with Ty Conti in this case. But, you know, if you're going to go back to this match, because I think this is the third time they've wrestled since Ty Conti's joined the roster. And if you're going back to this match, I think Ty Conti needs the win. And Kenny Omega and Matt Seidel, I, I, I think... It's going to be a very, very good match. 
but I think Matt Seidel will uh, take the take the one, two, three in this case. And, you know, they move on to whatever the next rivalry is going to be. But I'm looking forward to this episode of Dynamite. I, they're going to fill it out. I mean, I think it's it's really thin right now. And I, I went and Googled and looked for anything else. Those four matches are thin as far as a drawing show. So I'm hoping they add some stuff on Monday and Tuesday. Yeah, absolutely. And we still don't even know what's going to be on Elevation this week. And yeah, it's, yeah, we're two days like, out. Yeah, so it's like there's, we, we're waiting. We, there's going to be a flood of matches that are going to be announced. And I'm sure that uh, AEW will be tweeting all those out. So being on the lookout for that if you're looking to see what will be on the upcoming shows. And, but well, let me ask before we leave: Do you know where Abilene Christian is? Hmm, I can't say I do. Uh, yes, because well, guess who does know where it is? Texas. Who? Texas, because Abilene Christian, number fourteen seed, upset Texas. That's right. In, yeah, I, in the last I, game of the, the uh, round of sixty four. Yes, I gotta say, like, I mean, in a, in a in an NCAA tournament that's been full of nothing but surprises. I mean, like, listen, I'm from Michigan, um, and I picked Ohio State to go into my Elite Eight, uh, and it, it it hurt, but I did it because I respect y'all, um, though I don't like y'all. But man, I can't imagine how y'all are doing. Although, stop sending death threats to players if that's fans doing that, or if it's people who are just mad because their brackets busted. Stop that. Grow up. It's a game. Um, but but, like, but, dude, but just so think much, about this. There's so much insane I, shit happening I, in this, I, this bracket. I, I, people are not going to like this take. But kind of thank God for the internet. People used to go to people's houses and put the death threats oh, and yeah, send I'm it more, to I'm mail. All, yes. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, send all it mail. Keyboard, I'm all for people being keyboard warriors instead of being jackasses and actually trying to throw shit at, at players yeah, or stuff or like yeah. attack them or whatever. Yeah. yeah if you want to be, that's way better than what like actually attacking somebody or, or send or whatnot. But like, hey, I will say this. Though, still growing no, up. I will say this. If you are an athlete, this is your advice from Uncle Floyd. If you're an athlete and you just lost a big game like that, go log out of your social media and log into your burner account. That's all I got to say. Damn straight. Because you shouldn't even look at it. Why even log in? People are immature. I mean, good Lord. People are immature. I've done immature things. I've never threatened anyone's life over a fucking game ever. And I will never do that because, you know. You know, no. I have something to wake up for every day, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I was like, I, I just, I just imagine the person that threatens someone over a game. They don't have anything to wake up for in the morning. I don't know. I just, nope, this is, that's because that's all. That's, yeah. That's all, that, that's all they game. have. And I, I feel sorry for them. So, but yes. yeah. But, but <laughs> despite that though, I got to say though, I'm doing very strong in my bracket challenge. Despite the fact that me having Texas lose sucked and Ohio state losing sucked, I still was one of the few people who picked UCLA to win. Hell yes. yes. I'm all for that. Um, so I'm doing w- really well, hoping that my uh, final four stays intact and um, I'm pulling for uh, Baylor to win it all. Yeah. I, oh, in a, a year where I, did not probably watch one college football game in its entirety. College, Any college basketball. basketball game in its entirety. I went twenty four and eight in the first round. Ooh boy! And I only lost one elite eight team. One. Let me let me make sure. I'm actually going to confirm. Yeah, I I got I got twenty four. Uh, I got twenty four right actually. I, and I I did a second bracket that I only did changed one where I had Florida win. So I 
on one of my brackets, I actually have 25, but that's not the one I put in the competition, so it doesn't count. Exactly. Uh, but I only lost one Elite Eight team, and that's those dirty Texas Longhorns. But I get to make fun of Texas, so it's like it kind of <laughs> balances out, you know? Same, yeah. I mean, it's the same thing I, with me and Ohio State, dude. I had them in my Elite Eight, but I still get to be like, <laughs> Exactly. But uh, You lost it, to a team called Oral. Yeah, uh, I was telling my wife. I was telling my wife, because she, she was like, you don't watch, you know, college basketball. And I was like, don't, but it's the NCAA tournament. That's You watch the NCAA tournament. That's what you do. <laughs> Which I got to say, also, um, to the women's side, my Central Michigan Chippewas are once again in the tournament. Fire up chips. Come on, girls. Like, I want to see y'all do well. You've been in the tournament, I believe, since I was in college. I think that's this is their third or fourth time in the tournament, I want to say. And I, I'm always happy to see them there. And they're, they're the only thing in terms of sports that I'm, ma- I'm massively proud of in my uh, alma mater. So let's go fucking Chippewas. Let's go. Fifth year in a row, my Florida State men's team has won in the first round of the tournament. Uh, I homerly picked them as the national champions this year. Of course. Is it based on anything? No. Because, like, literally, I didn't watch a full game they played. I watched about, let me say this, I watched about 10 games, the last five minutes of 10 games. Like, I knew they were playing. And for me, like, in the NBA, if it's a regular season game, I'm not turning on until the fourth quarter with eight minutes left. And if the game is close, I'll watch the last eight minutes. If it's not close, you know, I just turn the channel. I'm not a big regular season is so long I just can't get committed to it but NCAA you know because it's only two 12 20 minute halves turn it on for the last 10 minutes of the second half you know see what's going on so I'm very excited about what happens going forward Florida State want to know go Knowles this is a good week I'm like I'm going to Wrestlemania my Knowles win did fairly decent in the tournament bracket we get fast lane tomorrow on the Peacock, which yes. saved, saved me money because I was subscribing to Peacock and the network. So I just, you know, I just now get 10, there extra, one. Bu- 10 extra bucks a month. And so that's all good. It's just a good day. It's good. I'm, I'm really happy. Damn straight, dude. Damn straight. But that'll do it for this episode of All Things Elite. We hope you all are doing great. Thank you once again for tuning into the show. If you enjoyed the show, Continue to download it on Google or Apple Podcasts. If you listen to us on any other platform, Spotify, or any other ways that you listen to podcasts, share us around with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish. It really means the world if you do such a thing. Leave a rating and a review. Let us know what we can do better. You can also leave a donation through Red Circle. If you want to support us normally, you can just support us by following us on Twitter. We are at Pod on Twitter. At Social Suplex is our podcasting network. So many great shows. Check out every other show that we have here on this network you will not be disappointed i am at estimer four floyd is at floyd johnson jr on twitter now with the round of 64 in in the books for the ncaa tournament and we're moving into fast lane tomorrow and of course we got a lot to look forward to with aew uh i'll have floyd uh take us home for this night i'm gonna leave you with some short words don't be a jerk you know every friend group has a jerk don't be the jerk. And if you don't know who the jerk is in your friend group, how does that sentence go? Uh, Austin, you should probably know how that finishes. You're probably the jerk. So don't yes, be the jerk. If, you, if, you, if you're the person that's got to be like, man, there's no, no jerks in our groups, then there's a good feeling that you might be a jerk in the group. Yeah. So no, but seriously, just be nice to people. 
and and I know it's it's I know it's so weird in this uh, world that you know certain people get more benefits and certain people get to have it better than others, and you just kind of want to bring them down a notch. You don't need to. Don't need to. Worry about uplifting yourself, not downgrading other people. Just enjoy life. And whether it is homework or school, always do your best to be elite. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.